Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I'm sharing an audio version of a webinar that I put on about brewery financial projections, budgeting, financial plans. So we're going to get a crash course in brewery financial forecasting so you can create an action-oriented plan to help you improve financial results in your business. We'll talk about how to create a financial performa, get into some financial planning basics, really first steps to get your plan on paper, and we'll talk about key considerations, things to think about when you're building your plan. So check out the podcast and learn how to use brewery financial projections to drive profitable growth in your business. Today we're going to talk about how to project financial results uh, for your brewery, essentially how to create a financial pro forma or a forward-looking financial plan. So in our first class, we talked about essentially brewery financial statements 101. So we looked at the chart of accounts, the basics of balance sheets, income statements, and cash flows, looked at some scorecards you could use. So in this course, we really want to talk about, we want to dig a little deeper and get into some of the, the plans that make up our financial pro forma and look at those specific to, you know, what we're going to see in our brewery business, you know, things like, I'm not going to dig too far into this, but prompts like, you know, looking at our hop contracts, for example, any raw material purchases, certainly material resource planning, essentially looking at all the stuff that goes into our beer and planning for how we're going to get it and ultimately what it's going to cost. So in this course, you know, really what we want to do is create a plan that we can use to not just project future financial results, but try to predict them. And I think that in the planning process, we get a better understanding of sort of the the sales and expenses of our business, the cash flows, and ultimately give ourselves a good opportunity to kind of see the patterns. And then once we see the patterns and kind of understand those, it's easier to kind of predict them and, and forward project them. So I want to put an emphasis on planning with a purpose, really looking at action-oriented steps that we can take to help ensure we get the results that we want. So for example, in some of our, say, sales forecast plan, our margin planning, just being mindful to put together sort of specific action steps, specific things that you're going to do in order to achieve those uh, those plans. Because I think oftentimes we'll, we'll create a financial plan, we'll create a budget, and then we kind of don't revisit it. Maybe we stick it in a drawer or on a file somewhere. But I think in the planning process to put together those action items is is particularly helpful. So we'll also cover the nuts and bolts, um, sales forecast, margins, as I said, operating expenses, and so forth. Uh, and I'll cover a few mistakes that I've seen, things to watch out for, pitfalls really specific to kind of the financial uh, planning process. So again, some housekeeping. We've got the chat area. If you have questions, uh, just pop them in there as we go. If you have questions that come up after, you can email me here, carry at beerbusinessfinance.com. Or if you would like to set up a one-on-one call, just email me and we'll set up a time to talk. As far as resources and materials, 
I had put the private web page out there with videos and the download materials. So hopefully you've been able to access those. There'll also be replays uh, of the videos. Um, and as I said, they're re- recorded separately. So you'll get a slightly different version, but it's it's essentially uh, the same material there. So the goal of this presentation is really just an introduction to financial forecasting specific to breweries and to give you a tool that you can use in your business, um, looking at how to really project your current future profitability and cash flows and how to use the information to drive results. Again, I like to to think of the financial planning process as very action-oriented and not just creating a spreadsheet because you have to, but being able to use it as a tool that can help drive results. And I've got a spreadsheet model that's going to be in the download section that I think um, works very well to cover all all the particulars that we're going to go through in this course. So that would probably be my main takeaway is check out that download. I'll put up a separate video as a, just on the spreadsheet and walk through that. And if you don't have, really depends on where you're at in your brewery life cycle. If you've already done some planning, this could serve as a useful tool to help maybe mirror or match up what this plan looks like compared to what you've been using. If you don't have one or haven't done any thorough financial planning, I think the tool can be useful to get you started as well. So check that out. So first, financial planning basics. So really, it's just getting the plan on paper. I think a lot of times, you know, I know we'll sit in meetings and talk about all sorts of things. We'll try our best to take notes and follow up on them. But ultimately, getting it on paper, getting in a spreadsheet, communicating it to the people that can make a difference is ultimately the most important part of the of uh, really the end result is just getting it in writing. We want a plan that we can compare against, ultimately to look at, are we on track? Are we falling short? Are we ahead? And it's that old saying, if you don't know where you're going, any financial plan is going to get you there. I like to know, I think as human beings, we kind of like to know what to expect. And from a financial standpoint, the financial plan shows you what to expect. And then we can compare what actually happened against that and determine what went wrong. We often call this sort of variance analysis. If we thought our sales would be a certain amount or margins and it came in differently, uh, the plan's going to highlight that for us. So I think course correcting in real time is super important. Again, financial planning, financial reporting can devolve into just historically looking at what happened. As we covered in the first course, I think it's really important to try to have real time information, simplify it, use scorecards. So again, you can course correct in real time. So you can use this financial plan, compare it to what's actually going on um, and figure out what's, if you've got some variances, what's causing it and make corrections. An important consideration in your financial planning is really who are you doing this for? There may be stakeholders here that need specific things considered in the plan. So for example, for banks, if you're borrowing money, they're going to have specific needs, specific things that they're going to need to see in your financial plan, not just organization of it or the reporting structure, but obviously the results. So if they are loaning you money based on a certain ratio or criteria, we want to make sure that our financial plan demonstrates that we're going to hit those numbers. Same goes for investors. They're looking for a certain return um, and then ownership likewise. So really looking at what are the needs, what are the requirements of each of the stakeholders, and make sure those are in the financial plan. Um, and for banks in particular, you know, there's debt, there may be debt service requirements, leverage ratios, things of that nature that are helpful to 
build into your plan so that you can watch them and ultimately determine if you have an issue prior to the bank telling you that, that you have an issue. So those, those are important considerations uh, when thinking about your plan. Um, I'm specifically using the word financial planning and, and avoiding the word budget because uh, there is a negative connotation generally with budget. So I like the words profit plan or financial plan. Essentially what I'm trying to rebrand this is, is budgeting that doesn't suck because I have uh, seen lots of instances of that and or there's a lot of folks out there that just don't like to deal with the numbers because you know, they've had a bad situation. So I think it's helpful to just use the word financial plan, financial planning, and then ultimately, you know, create a, a model that you can follow so that, in fact, it doesn't suck and that you can get what you want out of it and people can become engaged. Some other thoughts here, uh, strategy, mission, goals, and objectives. You know, often what I'll see is that there is really a disconnect between maybe brewery strategy, brewery mission, and the financial plan or planning process. Stuff often gets missed. So... Just as a reminder, if there's things that are particularly important to you as a brewery to accomplish, whether it's mission, let's just say you want to be a, a better community steward, you want to increase charitable do donations and so forth, uh, making sure that gets built into the plan because uh, ultimately there's a, there's a financial component to that. Likewise, with, with strategy or goals, if there's something that's going to cost money, we just want to make sure we get it in the plan so that we've got it accounted for. So some examples of that might be, you know, relative to a strategy. Um, if we're going to be opening up new states, let's say we're, you know, selling beer just in one state and we want to open up a, an adjacent state, you know, what's, that's a strategy. What's it going to cost? How are we going to do it? So just continuing this, this thought on strategy, really the, the takeaway is if it's going to cost money, get it in the plan. So if we're going to add sales support in the market, perhaps we're going to expand our self-distribution business add additional taproom location, on and on. It could it could be anything. These seem like obvious points, but there is we, we tend to get maybe into a, a pigeonhole a bit when we're doing our financial planning and we forget about sort of these big picture items. So this is just a reminder as far as you know, strategy goes, goals and objectives. So really considering even even the other items that may be more day-to-day -day operational in nature, if we've got a safety initiative, something we're doing in the brewery training, certifications, and so forth. Um, again, anything that's going to kind of cost money, we want to make sure we get it in there. If it's important to accomplish, write it out and quantify it. Um, and David, I'm sorry, I don't know how else to help you. I think it's working for other folks, so it may just be on your on your computer end. I don't, I don't, I'm not aware of a setting in the app to help with the volume. Sorry. So some financial plan pitfalls to avoid, and these are these are things, sort of lessons I've learned maybe the hard way or seen in my experience creating these plans in the past. So timing is everything. I've, you know, typically I like to start the financial plan for the new year around about October, mid-October, uh, give some time to get it done. This is particularly when we're a calendar year brewery. So starting too late and then likewise not finishing the plan, those can be problematic for sure, not involving the right people in the process. So really considering who is going to be instrumental in helping you achieve the financial plan or carry it out. You know, clearly you've got, if you look around your brewery, depending on the size, if you've got your head brewer, your packaging people, maybe some um, operational folks at GM, really just trying to be mindful about who, who really should be in on the process, include them in that. 
and as I talked about a, a bit previously, I think it's you can get lots of different ideas, different perspectives from those folks, and it's an opportunity to educate them on how the financials of the brewery actually work. And again, if you're not comfortable sharing dollars, there's different ways to accomplish that. Other financial plan pitfalls, uh, if we've got poorly designed financial tools or bad information, obviously that's not going to help very much. So again, I would start with the financial model that's going to be in the download section. So that is a full financial pro forma. It's got all the different tabs on it. So I think that'll help get you there. Another pitfall is not creating an actionable plan. Ultimately, we're trying to, we're going to invest a fair amount of time and money to create this plan. We want to make sure it's something that we're going to get what we want out of it. We want to get um, improved financial results. So creating action steps, action items as we do our planning process, whether that's sales, margins, operating expenses, or so forth. Another pitfall I've seen a lot of is just not communicating what the plan is to those who can make a difference in it. If we establish who our team is that we want to have sitting around the table, ultimately when the plan is completed, we want to communicate what it is to them so they can help achieve it and you know hit the goals that we've set. I've kind of boiled down the financial planning process to these seven steps. We could certainly add more or, or combine a few, but essentially this is what we're looking at for our sales plan our cost of sales plan. So really what is it, you know, the margins, what's the cost of the beer and so forth. Operating expenses, those are our day-to-day salaries, benefits, leases, utilities, and so forth. And then our net income or our EBITDA that we had talked about last time, essentially being the difference between our margins and our operating expenses. Then a capital expense plan, really planning for what is what are the big ticket items that we're going to need, when are we going to buy them, and then Debt service, how are we going to ultimately pay for them and the, the debt that we've already got on the books? And then looking at specific cash flow items, ideally we'll, ba- we'll budget the entire balance sheet, but in particular we want to be mindful of at least these three items, our receivables, payables, and inventory. And if you're doing self-distribution, you probably already know this and found this out, but uh, receivables can become a real cash flow problem. Uh, If you're dealing with dozens or hundreds of different retail accounts, they pay at different times. Sometimes they don't pay at all. Uh, That can be a remarkable lag between the time you send them the product and when you actually collect on it. And furthermore, there's quite a bit of time and effort to actually get those collections in. So as far as a cash flow driver, you know, I've found accounts receivable is certainly one of the bigger surprises that pops up, particularly for breweries that self-distribute. So we'll go through each of these seven items um, kind of quickly. And then again, I would recommend you check out the financial pro forma that's in the downloads because that will kind of summarize everything and give you a visual of, of how all these pieces fit together. But for starters, you know, our sales plan, obviously we want to forecast what we think we're going to do. We want to look at it over a period of time. Generally, in this in this financial planning process, we're talking about planning for a year. Certainly, you don't have to. You could do, a, do it by quarter. But the typical approach is let's plan out the new year and see what it looks like, do it by month, and then look at how what level of detail we want to do in that planning. Per, what I prefer to do is start it by state and by distributor. So if you're not using distributors, obviously, this section won't really be relevant for you. But the takeaway is to kind of do it high level to start. Um, So if you're operating, let's say, in three different states and you're dealing with, say, half a dozen different distributors, simply list out, all right, what are my states? What what do I have for distributors in each state? I want to look at 
what I've done historically. So what, what's my prior year volume? What kind of trends are we seeing for those distributors and for those states? So just starting way up top. As I said, I typically do our budgeting process, financial planning process, in mid-October is when we would start. Uh, so I don't have a full year of sales necessarily. So what I like to do is, is project out the remaining of the year, remainder of the year, and use that as a basis for creating the new uh, year's plan. So for example, I'm budgeting in mid-October. You know, I've got nine months worth of sales. I've got a trend to look at. I want to project out the remainder of the year. I want to project out what I where I think I'm going to finish in October, what November and December looks like, and that gives me a full year to use as a basis for the new year. So how are we getting, when we go to project by distributor by state, how are we getting this information? Where, it's, where is it going to come from? Um, trends, of course, is, is one thing. Information from distributor meetings, if you have those, if you've held those, typically my experience, you know, they, they, they can go either way, but generally I found them to be fairly positive in terms of a distributor really understands the market, knows what's going on out there, has their own internal projections for the brand, um, and that information can be used to build into your sales plan. It certainly isn't to take it at face value, but it's it's to have a discussion, but use as information for, for your planning process. Uh, obviously, production capacity, using that as a guideline, we don't want to project 25% growth if we if we simply can't make that much beer. And that obviously is a problem for, you know, maybe for startup breweries or breweries that get hit with a lot more demand that they're ready than they're ready for. Uh, so looking at what is your actual production capacity, what can you reasonably produce and making sure that's, you know, kind of a governor in your plan. It, involving key sales team members. So if you've got sales reps in the market, obviously I find it extremely helpful to pull them into the sales planning process. You know, what are they seeing? What's working, not working, any new ideas, again, different perspectives. And if we're going to be creating a sales plan, asking our sales reps to go out and achieve it, I think it's particularly helpful to show them how we've arrived at the numbers that we have and even involve them, give them a voice in, in setting those numbers. It's just a quick snapshot from one of the templates you'll find in the download. So sales forecast template, um, a word about what do we want to use for unit of measure? Uh, this comes up a lot is do we want to measure barrels? Do we want to measure in dollars? Do we want to measure in case equivalents? Um, and my answer is yes. We want to measure in all those things because they serve different purposes. So for barrels, really, we want that for, for our production team because the brewers don't really care about CEs. They don't understand. Well, maybe they understand, but they don't care. You know, Their, their unit of measures is barrels. How many can we produce? Uh, the wholesalers, the distributors, they don't care about barrels. They care about case equivalents. And you probably care about all these things, but you particularly care about dollars. And certainly your banker does. So one benefit is we don't necessarily need to make three different sales plans. We can just have the same sales plan and then uh, do the calculation so that it can come out in barrels, case equivalents, and dollars. And we can just do that using some calculations. So the way this lays out is down the left-hand side, we have are basically our customers. So these are our different distributors. So if you don't have distributors, if you have, if you're only self-distributing, this would be your retail accounts. If you don't have either of those and it's just taproom, then it would just be taproom on the left-hand side. Across the top, what I try to do is look at, again, a little bit of historical information. So we want to look at the full year of 
the prior year. So what did we do by each distributor for the prior year? And then look at our current year. So again, let's pretend we're in mid-October. We'll get close. And we've got year-to-date sales uh, through September of these amounts shown. So we want to project out the remainder of the year. And that'll give us a projection for the full year of 2019. And then using that number, we can project out uh, next year's volume in, in this case, in barrels. So you'll see the section in yellow. What we're trying to get to is creating a, a spreadsheet here, a model where we can simply plug in our percentage growth or decline for each distributor. And that will then calculate our projected volume and total percentage growth for the new year. So again, you can download this and plug in the numbers and see how, how you interact with the information. Um, but again, this is fairly fairly high level and I, I think a good starting point because it's, it's fairly easy to wrap your head around. As we get that built and we're feeling more comfortable with it, we can create a more detailed sales plan. Obviously, we can look at you know, the information by brand, by package, by item, and how, how detailed you want to go is ultimately going to be what's most useful for you. Um, and not overwhelming, and ultimately what's going to help with production planning, because obviously your your brewers are going to need to know, well, what styles are we making, and how much ingredients do I need? Packaging person's going to need to know, you know, how much is cans and bottles and drafts so that they can order the appropriate amount. Joel is asking, um, projecting growth is fun, <laughs> in quotes. Is there a standard number we should shoot for year over year? Yeah, I think it can be fun. I mean, you create a spreadsheet, it's pretty easy to pop numbers in. So there's a tendency to, you know, maybe go a little bit aggressive just because you can. So as far as a standard, again, I, I think we may have touched on this last time, which is, you know, I would look at the Brewers Association reports. They put that out. I think it's called an annual production. And you can look at, you if there's plenty of breweries on there, so you can look at it um, in terms of, sort it by size. So I want to find some breweries that are in my size of, of production. So if you're a 10,000 barrel brewery, let me see how many 10,000 barrel breweries are out there. And then you could look at it by geography. Okay. Are, are there any in my market nearby in my home state? You can kind of get a sense as to year over year growth for those. I think that's a starting point. You know, I think more importantly is probably just historically, what have you guys done for brewery? What are you doing in order to, you know, what initiatives, new brands, etc. Do you have uh, for your own brewery to project, you know, what that what that growth might look like? So I would probably start with that macro brewers association list, and then kind of go with your own trends and forward looking initiatives. Again, if there's, you know, new brand launches, and you know, what we've done is we, you know, we have our flagship IPA, and we are trying to increase our off premise, basically number of facings and inlet in the uh, cooler. So we had created and we are, we're looking to create sort of some flanker brands. So basically some brands that will sit next to our lead brand. And we did projections on that. So it was a brand new uh, style for us. Uh, it was a new initiative and we built that in into our projection. So you can look again, trends, historical, what kind of orga organic growth do you expect? And then what, what, what might be new growth either from new brands or potentially new territories if you're going to open up new states. So I hope that helps. And then lastly, on sales planning, using metrics to make the process easier. You know, I like the revenue per barrel calculation. And this is something, if you have some historical information to work with, 
um, you can look and see, all right, how many barrels did we sell last year and what was our total revenue? And then just do the math, divide revenue by total barrels and you'll get a dollar amount, a sales dollar amount per barrel on a blended basis. Just kind of gives you a high an understanding of, all right, what can I reasonably expect if I, I know I can produce another 2,000 barrels what is that going to equate to in terms of revenue? So just a quick metric. Certainly that's going to uh, vary quite a bit depending on your path to market. So if you were selling primarily through distributors, you, know, you, you may have a lower revenue per barrel. If you're selling entirely through your tap room, it should be significantly higher. I think the point is to, to calculate that metric, kind of get a sense as to what your what your brewery historically has produced. And then you can use that as a, as a forward-looking metric. Looking at your draft package, expected sales mix is another way to kind of get a sense as to, I, I think not only from a revenue or sales perspective, but from a production standpoint. Um, again, an example from our brewery is we were very heavy draft, very light, relatively speaking, um, on the package side, say, you know, two thirds draft, one third uh, package, the opposite of what I'm showing in this slide. And Again, with our initiative to get more off-premise placements, we wanted to put an emphasis on package. So we were going, that package mix was going to change. So that's that's ultimately going to uh, impact, you know, what, what those sales are going to look like. And I see Amy has now lost sound. So I apologize for that. I'm not sure what's going on um, with this. So I guess all I can suggest is to... Uh, if you lose it and it doesn't come back, uh, hopefully the replay will have it. And if that doesn't have it, uh, that private page has a video with good sound on it. All right, so that was the sales planning process. Next is the margins. Uh, so what we're looking at here is essentially what is it? What's the cost of our beer? And we talked a bit about this this margin planning last time and the components of what goes into the cost of your beer. There's really these three categories of direct labor direct materials and overhead. So these, in sum, these are the, these essentially are the, is the, the cost of your sales or the cost of your beer. So for direct labor, you know, we're looking at your brewers, your seller people, packaging people, all the wages and benefits that are for those folks. Direct material would obviously be the raw materials that go into, into making the beer, hops, malt, and so forth. Any canning expense, if you bring in an outside you know, canning company. And then overhead is where it gets tricky. What's included and how do I allocate it if I've got, you know, production space, taproom space, et cetera. So we're looking at overhead items like rent, utilities, et cetera. The, the simplest approach, maybe not the most accurate, but certainly simplest is to allocate based on square footage. So if you've got the size of your building, just kind of divvy it up based on how much square footage is being used by your brewery and do a percentage allocation um, into your overhead. So as I talked about at the beginning, assuming the sound was working, uh, the action item, adding an action item for each section of your financial plan can be helpful. So one item here would be to look at the completeness and accuracy of your costing of your bill of materials. So for each brand, each package that you produce, you will have what's known as a bill of materials. It's essentially a listing of all the stuff that goes into every package, every type of beer that you make. And that, that listing includes direct labor, direct materials, and overhead. So as we know, from time to time, costs will change. You know, the cost of malt, the cost of hops, the cost of labor. Um, so reviewing those 
It's going to help you get a better handle on your cost of sales and ultimately your margin and your margin uh, per, for each of your packages. So looking at margin, basically the, the base calculation is sales minus your cost of sales. That's your gross margin. And as an example, if we've got a million dollars worth of sales, $600,000 worth of cost of sales, that's a $400,000 gross margin. Um, looking at this in terms of for percentage, again, I think can be very helpful. It's a lot easier to remember a percentage. So if we're setting our goals and we have a 40% gross margin goal, I put GP down here, gross profit, gross margin, really mean the same thing. But if we have a 40% gross margin goal, um, that's easier to remember kind of month over month or, or even on an annual basis. And, the, and really the calculation is by taking uh, your total margin dollars. In this case, we have $400,000 of gross margin dollars and dividing it by our total sales of $1 million to get to that 40%. So I'm a big fan of using percentages, whether it's sales growth, margin percentage, or even net income when we get to that. Again, it's just a lot easier to remember. Uh, it's a quick quick metric you can communicate uh, when you're talking about your financial plan. Um, so looking at historical margin trends is helpful too. So if we've got a 40%, our financial plan calls for 40%, really looking at different ways that that number can be influenced. Um, as I said, in our brewery, we've been shifting a lot from draft to package. Take a look at what, if, if that's something you're going to consider or you're doing, or you're even building out your portfolio, you know, really look at what are your margins on draft versus package? What are your margins within your package product? What does it look like for cans versus bottles? Because that, that, can, that can really influence things. You know, for us going from draft to package, you know, you're going to see a percentage, slight percentage decline, potentially. The dollars might be better, but really being mindful of, okay, if I shift here, what is that going to do to my margin percentage? You know, so, so really the action item here is creating a report that can show you that margin by brand, by package, by draft, and best, even best is to uh, do it at the SKU level. So SKU is the each individual package. So you may have an IPA brand with 16-ounce four-pack cans, you may have that same same IPA brand with 12-ounce bottles for six-packs. So looking at what the margins are for each of those, obviously for draft, you know, whether it's half barrel or logs, uh, that, can, that can be very useful to see, right, what are our margins? What does our pricing look like? And then ultimately, what is that going to mean as far as, as far as our financial plan goes? Operating expenses. So we've talked about sales, cost of sales and margins. Uh, the next part of our financial plan is really the, the operating expenses. These, you know, sales and forecasting can be challenging, particularly if, if you're a startup or you don't have a lot of historical information. Margins can be challenging, particularly when we get into the details. I, I find operating expenses slightly less challenging because we, we know the big chunks. We know, you know, who we're going to hire, what we're going to pay, generally how long we're going to, how many hours we're going to have them work insurance, you know, we tend to get quotes for that. Our insurance company says, here's what it is for the year. Our lease expense, we, you know, we've got a contract. So, uh, you know, we get, I get some comfort at least, maybe it's cold comfort within the operating expenses because I can see, I, I have a little more certainty on these numbers. Nevertheless, I recommend creating supporting schedules on these major expense items so that you can really communicate 
and guide the numbers. So what I mean by that is if we look at our payroll and doing some personnel planning, what I like to do is say, all right, who who's on the payroll? What are we paying them? What do we expect as far as salary and and hours? And map that out over the over the course of the year. What's the annual? What are we looking at by month? And then are we adding people? If we're growing, we're likely adding people. Who are we going to add? What departments? What do we expect to pay? And when do we expect to bring them in? So having just a simple spreadsheet on that can really inform not only your financial plan and one of your bigger expense items, but it can help inform your department managers. Because often what will happen in the financial planning process is they'll say, you know, I really need, you know, we really need a new marketing person and, you know, this is what I want them to do. And that's great. Um, But if we say, all right, we're going to go through that. We're going to talk about the particulars. We're going to approve that position. Here's here's the general salary range we're looking at. And here's generally when we think we can bring them in and kind of marrying up. What do we need to do? And how's that going to hit our financial plan? So having just, again, a simple supporting schedule on payroll can really help with that. And you can take that approach to each of your items, you know, really sticking with your major operating expense items. Um, certainly lease expense should be pretty consistent, but you might have other charges in there uh, that have some fluctuation to it. So kind of mapping that out can really help get you better uh, detail and certainty on your operating expenses. Operating expenses, the lingo is OPEX if you want to save yourself a few syllables. So continuing the OPEX discussion Really, the idea is to go through each department, you know, have that discussion with your department managers, assuming you're going to include them. You know, what are their goals and objectives? Put the information down in words. Again, these these financial planning discussions don't always have to be all numbers all the time. It doesn't have to be all spreadsheets all the time. Some people love them. Some people can't stand them. So really, uh, you know, I think one of the keys to success in financial planning is to talk about what's going on in words. Again, have that business discussion and then figure out what goals, what things uh, we want to accomplish and uh, translate those words into numbers. So once we get comfortable over what it is we need to do, what folks um, are going to need in order to hit our sales plan and margin plan, uh, get those you know really quantified and then we can uh, build those into the spreadsheets. So just like the sales plan, our operating expense can be uh, high level or as uh, kind of simplistic, uh, high level and simplistic as we want, or as detailed. I really just want to look at what's going to be most useful. Definitely recommend starting simple uh, to start with and building in more detail where it's helpful to do so. As I mentioned, I think that that personnel planning schedule is really helpful uh, to kind of keep, keep our hands around what, you know, it not only does it serve as to inform the financial plan, but it's it's useful to know, all right, what did, when did we say we were going to bring that marketing person in? What did we say we were going to pay them? So if we have that in our, obviously down our paper, it makes it a lot easier. So others others that I've found useful sales and marketing plan, you know, the marketing people want to know what it is they could spend, what are they going to spend it on, when can they spend it? So a simple spreadsheet on that, you know, ideally marrying it up to, you know, kind of an annual marketing plan is helpful. So what do you want to do? What's going to cost when is it going to happen? So we've gone through sales, cost of sales and margins, and operating expenses. Now we come to the bottom line. So net income is essentially the gross margin minus operating expenses. And just like we looked at with our uh, our margins and looking at those as a percentage of sales, we can use the same approach here with net income. So net income is a percentage of sales. Easy to remember that percentage 
you know, month over month, January's net income dollar will likely be different from February and different from March, but the, the percentage of income may not fluctuate as much or, or it's easier to, again, communicate it if we're looking at, say, a 20% net income as a percentage of sales as our goal. That can be our basis for the bottom line plan, basis for communication. Um, so looking at how does this math work, gross margin minus OPEX, operating expenses, and what is our net income percentage, uh, basically taking our net income goal divided by our sales goal. We talked a bit about this last time, EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Again, it's a useful metric to understand. Your bankers are going to ask about it if, if you're borrowing money. Your investors, if you have them, are going to ask about it. And if you go in the future to look to sell, uh, this is certainly something that that buyers are looking for as far as what is your EBITDA, how is it calculated. So I find it useful to add it onto your financial plan. You've really got, once you create all those seven steps, you've got all the pieces. And this is simply just a calculation that you could you can put on your financial reporting. So EBITDA, it is kind of like cash flow, except, of course, interest, the earnings before interest and taxes. Interest has to get paid and taxes has to get paid. And depreciation and amortization are, from an accounting standpoint, non-cash items. But obviously, these reflect cash that have already been paid. So it's kind of like cash flow, except for those things. So keep it with a grain of salt. Again, I think it's most useful for those, those outside parties, bankers, and investors. But useful, just the same. And speaking of useful, I think that EBIT is, is, uh, is essentially more of a valuation metric. Again, that's pretty exciting. I know Joel said projecting growth is fun. I think projecting value is fun too. So you can take that EBITDA, look at multiples and, you know, if you're bored one day and want to play with the numbers, that's a good, I think a good use of time. Let me look at my EBITDA, assign a multiple. What's, what's the value of the brewery? So net income, I think is, is more appropriate and useful to evaluate, you know, how we're doing right now. What's our ongoing operations. Um, And again, it includes all of the things that the EBITDA calculation takes out. So net income, net income essentially says, are we profitable? EBITDA essentially says, are we valuable? So I think using both can be, can be quite helpful. Another step in our financial plan is the capital expense plan. So essentially, these are our big ticket items, things like a new keg line, canning line, new tanks. And we want to also include all the expenses that are needed to put these assets into place, plumbing, electrical, floors, etc. So these assets are then depreciated over a period of time. So that's that expense that we had talked about last time and how that ultimately can makes its way uh, to the income statement. So I recommend, again, another spreadsheet here that is essentially just a list of what are you going to buy? You know, what do you need? When are you going to buy it? What's it going to cost? It serves as a way to organize uh, and map out your planning. Uh, a recommendation, particularly when we're talking about big items like a canning line or, or a kegging line is to really push back and say, how much is it really going to cost? Because we can look at quotes for a new canning line, but it can be remarkably expensive to get the proper utilities in place, the proper infrastructure, you know, f- you know floor drains can be, you know, treating floors, etc. So there's a whole bunch of stuff over and above just the cost of the equipment. So when you're doing your capital expense planning, you're probably asking three times, no, really, how much is it really going to cost? You know, 
what are we missing in this? Uh, I can save you some headaches. I've, I've certainly run into that myself by not asking that question enough times when we're doing uh, larger purchases. So that's a pitfall to avoid. How much is it really going to cost? So another action item or goal uh, that you could look at are mandatory purchase orders. So these help not just with your capital expense planning, but really any cash flow planning. And essentially what you're looking for is you know, making sure you're controlling what's being spent, making sure you're doing it in a fashion where you're getting a proper number of competitive quotes, you know, stuff that's relatively basic. Um, but if you're in a hurry to get some new equipment, eh, sometimes we just order the equipment. So the purchase orders can help kind of tap the brakes, make sure we're doing things the right way. Another goal might be to do a basic ROI analysis, so return on investment analysis on new purchases. And this can be baked into your, your purchase order process. But essentially what it would be is looking at the cost of the new equipment and what kind of savings or payback, if any, that you may get. So the example I'm giving here is Ironheart. So they're a mobile canning company. Uh, they come in, you know, they, they can your beer, uh, charge you for that. So really looking at, all right, is it, does it make more sense to have a service like a mobile canning company come in? Or does it make more sense to buy our own canning equipment and do it ourselves? So a basic ROI analysis is going to help you make that decision. So I think that's, that's a useful way to uh, make sure you're getting the best return you can. Here's a look at the spreadsheet, the capital expense or CapEx planning. Along the left-hand side, we've got our requested purchases. What do we want to buy? And across the top, when do we want to buy it? So in this case, we're just chunking it into quarters, Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. What's the amount and who's requesting it? You can expand on this. You know, did you get three quotes? Um, attach it to, you know, to your request, things of that nature. But really what you're trying to get to is how much money are we, do we need to spend next year? And equally important, where are we going to get the money to pay for this? So it helps not only with what do we need for our growing brewery, uh, but how are we going to pay for it? And if we can see right away, we're doing this in mid-October for next year. In this example, we need 80 grand. Uh, then we can make sure we actually have that financing in place or we can we know how to get it. Debt and debt service, that's essentially borrowing the money to cover those capital expenditures and everything else required to run your brewery. So debt, essentially what we owe, our loans. Your debt service, we'll, use, we'll hear that word a lot from our bankers, debt service, basically is how much do we need to pay on what we owe. So what are our monthly payments? What are our annual payments? What is that P&I, that principal and interest amount, essentially that the cash flow to service that debt? So yes, bank debt, we can have term loans, we can have lines of credit, we can have uh, loans from ownership, from families and, and so forth. But the real takeaway here is to, to sketch out what is our debt, what is our debt service, how does that match up to our cash flow? So again, a, a debt schedule, really looking at what do we owe, what are the terms, and what does this mean in terms of payments? So essentially, when we're looking at our, our payment for this debt service on the income statement, we only see the interest expense. So the principal portion of that isn't showing up on the income statement at all. It's showing up on the balance sheet. And so that's why, you know, a quick way to kind of cut to the chase is just to make a separate schedule for our debt service. All right, what, what am I paying each month? What am I going to pay on an annual basis? How does that match up to what I have for cash flow now? I just saw on my capital expense plan, I need to borrow another $80,000. What 
what's that going to look like in terms of payback? Let me add that to the debt schedule. So those fairly simple tool that you can use to really get a good look at, you know, what do I owe and, and what are my monthly and annual payments and what changes do I expect as I'm financial, financially planning for next year. A bank metric that's, that's pretty typical is a debt service coverage ratio. So they're essentially going to be looking at how well you cover your debt. So for example, if you've got $10,000 a month in debt that you need to pay for your bank, the bank is going to require that you have at least X amount to cover that. So for example, they may want to see 1.5 times debt service coverage ratio. So if you've got $10,000 going out each month, they're going to want to see at least $15,000 of cash flow that's available to cover that. And that's just one example. But the takeaway here is uh, really looking at understanding what the ratios are, what those covenants are that your that your bank may ask you to uh, to cover and make sure those are considered in your financial plan. So this one is a, a debt service coverage ratio. Um, so adding that, I think to uh, if you've got a monthly financial reporting packet, you know, building it into your financial plan and then ultimately adding it uh, to your reporting packet will help make sure you keep your eye on the what those calculations are looking like. So again, I'm just going to touch on a couple of items here from the balance sheet. I think a full financial pro forma. If done thoroughly, you're going to consider every material item on your balance sheet and, and kind of forward forecast that. But some things to to look at in particular are accounts receivable and accounts payable. So accounts receivable is essentially the money that's going to come in. Accounts payable is essentially money that's going to go out. And, can, and we want to try to create measurements uh, so that we're properly um, managing each of these assets. As I had mentioned if you've got self-distribution, accounts receivable outstanding, essentially uncollected sales can get pretty big pretty fast. Uh, so we really want to keep an eye on the detail. And in order to do so, we'll have a separate list. We call it an accounts receivable aging report. That's going to show all of our accounts, what they owe us, and essentially um, how far outstanding that's the aging portion of that list, zero to 30 days, 30 to 60 days, etc. So we can do a, a calculation here to to see how many days sales we have outstanding in our accounts receivable. So for example, if we extend credit terms to our retailers of 30 days and we do our uh, calculation in accounts receivable and we see that we're collecting in about 40 days, obviously we've got some slow payers or some non-payers and we've most importantly got an effect on cash flow because that's money that isn't coming in. So adding to the financial packet that calculation uh, can really help as far as managing not not just your financial planning, but certainly your cash flow. Accounts payable, just the opposite, how fast or how slow we're paying our bills. So if majority of our vendors are giving us 30 days and we determine we're paying like within 20 days, clearly we're paying too quickly. We're kicking cash out too fast that we don't need to. So monitoring our accounts payable, obviously our accounts payable process uh, can help cash flow in that regard as well. Uh, there are exceptions. Uh, these still are out there. Maybe they're more rare now. But if there's, you get early pay discounts, you know, one percent or two percent. If you if you're paying early, five days or ten days, you know, generally speaking, you always want to take that. It's just a good return on investment, assuming you can, you've got the cash flow to cover it. So those are two balance sheet items that I like to look at in particular: accounts receivable and accounts payable. So the seven items that are going to go into your financial plan, sales. Uh, cost of sales and our margin analysis, operating expenses, having a schedule to help kind of guide and control those, 
looking at our net income using percentage of sales, our capital expenditure planning, very useful, pretty pretty simple. We just get it down there. What are we going to buy? When are we going to buy it? How much is it going to cost? And then from a debt standpoint, ultimately, how are we going to how are we going to pay for it? Planning in advance for that, and then looking at your balance sheet, cash flow items, receivables, payables. Obviously, inventory uh, can help um, really forward forecast what your cash flow is going to look like. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.